0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome
1: to the Fighting on Film podcast. The podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of our own military history. I'm Matthew Moss of historical firearms and the armorer's bench. Hello again, welcome back to the fighting on film podcast. And today we bring you another exclusive guest. We are joined by one of our Patreons for the first time. Welcome Andy Moody to the show. Oh, hi guys, it's uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for, um, thanks for inviting me. It's our pleasure. Andy's with us today because he's undertaking a Masters um, on Britain in the First World War at Wolverhampton University and his dissertation is on First World War cinema. So today he's going to be taking us through the immediate post-war era of the 20s and the 30s and we're going to look at a slice, a, a section of that cinematic era and pick out some films from that era and talk about how they fit in with our social sure, or cultural understanding of the First World
0: War. Andy, please, take it away. Okay, so I've I'm, I'm, uh, been a lifelong uh, film fan, and I, I started my dissertation, um, sorry, my uh, Master's in uh, Britain and the First World War, um, coming up for two years ago. When I was thinking about doing my dissertation, it was a bit of a no-brainer, really, that I'd, uh, that I'd, choose, I'd choose the cinema. The, uh, the title of it is Shooting the Great War, the First World War and Popular Cinema, uh, establishment of myth and sustaining collective memory which which sounds a bit pretentious and it sounds a I'm a for, um, a, a fair <laughs> it's a fairly highbrow article in sight and sound which i may well be doing next year but um i'm i'm really coming at this from uh, a couple of angles really one is uh I, I think cinema is you know undoubtedly the most important. Um, popular cultural medium certainly the first half of the 20th century and it's it's been so crucial in shaping our understanding of, of history when when people mm-hmm. think of events they quite often think of the cinematic version they've seen rather than than the documentary definitely my view you know i guess my, my thesis is that about the great war um the general public kind of hasn't as much you know and, and a lot of that memory that understanding yeah. is that has been fixed by um, cinematic images. You know, we think of, oh, what a lovely war. Um, you know, the, the cynicism of, of, of people being sent off senselessly to their deaths and, I guess, War Horse and various other... It, 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 it's kind of fixing an image in people's minds that that perhaps doesn't reflect how, how we think about it now. Um, and, and, and this mm. is a bit of a, I mean, it's kind of ambitiously, I'm going to be looking at the cinema in the last 100 years, you know, from the end of the war to, to uh, present day, uh, probably taking it up to 1917, if I can manage to squeeze it in. But I, I think for, for this period, I, I thought it'd be really interesting um, to look at what what happened in the immediate post-war era. And, and I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that people had just been through this cataclysmic experience uh, it had it had um, shaped uh, how society sort of felt about it itself. There were huge changes in, you know, cultural changes uh, with class and with gender, and you know, a lot of things were were up for grabs, and and had it had been incredibly traumatic. There was a start of memorialization. People were starting to think about well, well, how do we remember this experience and how do we commemorate it, and you know, make sense of it all, really. Um, and and he was he was this popular medium, you know. Uh, it was it was a it was a modern medium. It wasn't like theatre or literature, if you like. It was accessible. Yeah. Um, even before the start of the war, there were fourteen thousand working cinemas. It had overtaken music hall as the as the popular entertainment of of the working class. So its reach was was absolutely huge, um, and 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 I think. For me, how how the war was was represented in the immediate post-war era, in in the silent era, if you like, is uh, is is really important. Um, because people at that time, people didn't have fixed ideas about, um, you know, the the lions led by donkeys and and people, you know, you know, going off to senseless slaughter for a war that meant nothing. No.
1: Like those popular history books now had not been written. They had their thoughts and what they'd been through. What was what they were basing it off? And these movies come through and they sort of push this. Yeah, they start to form a narrative and they start to form our way we think of the the, the first world war coming
0: straight in or off it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's why any film which which challenges the sort of received wisdom, you know, um, it is uh, it is really is really difficult. And and cinemas as a commercial medium so people don't make films if they if they're not going uh, to they're not going to resonate with what the people what the people want what people expect so so it becomes a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy people have their uh, their ideas of the first world fixed in their mind they want to see a representation of that which reflects what they believe to be uh, believe to be the past mm-hmm. and and I think another important thing is that um the, the Second World War changed a lot of that as well, because the, the Second World War very, very rightly, I think, fits into the Good War narrative. If it took a war to destroy Nazism and and Japanese militarism, then yeah. absolutely. But that um, that question is um, for us now is is a little more nuanced about the First World War. At, at the time, people were very clear it was about it was about preserving national freedom. It was it was about fighting. You know the attempted German domination of Europe and all, all the rest of it, and and contemporary audiences at, going to the cinema in the 1920s would view the war that they'd just been through in the same way that people in the 1950s would have viewed the Second World War when they went to the cinema. You know, so and we, and we know what the cinema of the 1950s was like. You know, the sink the Bismarck and you know the the kind of prison escape films, the Wooden Horse, and all that kind of stuff. It it kind of reinforces and um, what the nation felt about itself and about its own experience and I, I think a couple of the things that I thought would be really interesting to look at um there was a company um called British Instructional Films and, and I, I think the clue's a bit in the title really there's they they saw their mission to kind of instruct people and uh, show what show what they're always yeah. like from, from from in a way that people would would understand you know it was the this, this idea that you know national history is the stories we like to tell ourselves about ourselves and and the ones that Although it'd be good to look at, there were a few, but um, Ypres and um, in 1925, and followed by Mons in 1926, which which covered the mm. um, the initial the initial few months, the you know the retreat from Mons.
1: If we go to Mons second, I think we should start with the movie that sort of kicked it all off. Um, Jeffrey Mallins' is uh, Battle of the Somme um, because that, that they feed directly into each other. I think. I mean, Andy, you'd be the
0: expert on it. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call myself an expert. I did um, part, part of the course, you get to choose a class presentation to do every every academic year. And the one for this year was um, included the Battle of the Sun film. And I, I obviously I chose that because I was planning, I think, from day one to do my di- dissertation on cinema. And I thought, you know, it's a film that lasts an hour and 10 minutes. I mean, how difficult can it be? Um, I mean, I didn't. I didn't realize I'd end up watching it six times. uh, Read two books, several articles. Only six. Yeah, that's that's right. That's (laughs) right. Well, it wasn't quite as easy, um, quite an easy dodge as I was as I was hoping. And and I, I, I think I'd seen it on the TV several years ago, and and my my understanding of it was probably shaped by. Um, the idea that it was, half of it was fake, and you know, there's there's the famous scene of the guys mm-hmm. coming up the trenches and, and what have you, um, and and didn't really see what what had been achieved by the film and and the cultural impact and how important it yeah. was. Um, so yeah, um, Malins and McDowell are two. I, get, I guess you call them embedded. They were like uh, you know like modern embedded kind of video journalists, I guess. Because um, before the army was incredibly suspicious, and people uh, in in government were thinking, well, you know, do we want to show people at home what's going on? Um, can can because by. Obviously, by 19, end of 1915, it was pretty apparent that this was something of a bloodbath. Would the public accept it? You know, do we do we want them getting under our feet, essentially? But that had relaxed at the end of 1915, and cameramen were allowed uh, were allowed near the front and could and could film. These guys were um, incredibly skillful, incredibly brave. Uh, the equipment they were using they they looked like uh, small wooden suitcases on tripods. They were mobile. There was no zoom. Um, they could pan from left to right. The 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 hand cranked, so they're winding they're winding the cameras all the time. You know, the technical limitations on what they could achieve was were, were considerable. <clears throat> but but the big thing for me is that what is it, it was really important because it's the first time the public had seen their uh, army in um, on the screen. So what so what would what we'd had the situation by by the middle of nineteen sixteen. We've got a mass citizen army for the first time in our history, the very first time. We've, we've got um huge, huge numbers of people in the army from across all, all sections of society, which had never happened before. Um and this is a way of a government showing the citizen army to its citizens, saying, you know, the, these men have gone off, they've joined the Power Battalions or, or what have you. And 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 this is them. This this is where they are and this is what they're doing. And it was incredibly important from that. From that point of view yeah. um and the and then the results were they were a bit uncertain at, at first w- would there be a public appetite for this nobody nobody knew turns out 20 million people went to see it the highest proportion of the population that had seen a film which is a record which still stands to this day you know um it was uh, absolutely incredible cinemas were and um, they couldn't they couldn't make enough prints cinemas were running it you know week after week um so I've got a, a excerpt from
1: the Yorkshire Evening Post um, on, from Wednesday the 6th of September 1916 and they say The Battle of the Somme film, it appears, was taken by two operators J.B. McDowell and J.H. Mallins Mr. Mallens was responsible for about one third of the whole before the big offensive began in July A section of these films have been shown in the picture theatres but the greater part has been reserved for use of the general headquarters Many of the pictures were taken from positions that were um, exposed to the photographer had to be see could be seen
0: by enemy troops. Yeah, absolutely. A large box on a tripod looks very similar to a machine gun, right? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's going to attract. Actually, Merlin's, um had mm. one of his tripod legs um, broken off by a piece of shrapnel. Um, McDowell won an MC later in the war. The, these guys who uh, they really did put their lives on the line uh, taking this film. Yeah, um, so you know what what they actually achieved was was something quite remarkable and it was it was accidental as well it was never planned as a feature length it was all, it was planned as they were, they were going to take um, shorts they were going to be shown in cinemas maybe 10 15 minutes long that's why right. the film looks a bit kind of episodic and disjointed in terms of its narrative can't remember
1: the chap who edited it. But he was known as a bit, a bit of a quick editor, yeah. wasn't he? I can't remember the, the, I gap,
0: mean, the, the name. I oh, there was uh, Charles Urban was was the editor on it, and William F. Jury was the producer. And April, well. they were looking at the, essentially looking at the rushes and thinking, you know what, we could we could stitch this together and and make a make a feature length film out of it. And 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 it was a real punt because nobody knew if there was going to be an appetite for it whether it would work or not. Um, and I, and I think the the, the strength of the um, the strength of the film is that, in spite of all the limitations, um, and bearing in mind these were these were static cameras who didn't have zoom and and what have you, they they managed mm-hmm. to take some incredibly iconic uh, pictures. You know, they they moved location. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mailings uh, went through uh, through a tunnel to to go and film um the, you know the i think it's lancashire fusiliers and the sunken lane um where they went you know as a jump off point yeah. for, on the first of july mm. they got the hawthorne um mine going off the guy who the the wounded soldier who's been brought in on on the back of yeah. you know these these are absolutely iconic they're uh first of all books are, mm. are absolutely littered the front covers are, of of stills from from the film and that's I mean, that's a that's a remarkable achievement. I think if anybody had filmed what had happened and managed to come away uh, with a couple of images, I guess that they would they would be happy with. Then then great. These these guys got a good half a dozen, ten images which have been used and used and used over and over again.
1: Yeah, you'd have it if you had a pound for every time you've seen the shot of those lads going over that, Oh my goodness. That ridge line there. Yeah, yeah the iconic photo. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the silhouette of that chap, yeah, with his you know walking away from camera. That it's like an iconic image of the First World War. Yet I find it really ironic
0: that it's not. It's a it's a recreation in, in a training camp in France. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they filmed what was possible, and what was possible was uh, filming lots lots of film of guns going off. There's there's every different calibre of of gun that was used during the initial bombardment, uh, and that and that was absolutely mm. fine. that they, they could do that. Um, what they couldn't do was they couldn't go over the top with the men. They they couldn't. Uh, they there was yeah. um there's a there's like a, a an L shaped junction uh, at at one point which is used in several parts of the film which is used uh, to show guys going going into the attack. That's a, a 20, 29th yeah, that's division, the, I think.
1: The sweeping. Yeah. Of the ridge, yeah. Because they cut that. There's a, there's an extended sequence of that where lads start yeah. dropping and they cut. So somewhere there's an extended sequence of probably more men getting mown down, but I think that's the only section of the movie where you can physically see someone getting yeah. killed.
2: You do see quite a few bodies yeah. littered around, and they don't shy away from showing some of the reality of what Which quite, which struck me when I rewatched it recently for, for you know yeah. this chat, I was quite quite surprised. You know we see um, there's a, I think there's a sequence where um, they're forming up, but yeah. there's still bodies yeah, yeah. on the ground. Whether yeah. they're about to move off, or I think it might be—I think it's a unit passing through a unit which is already yeah, consolidated—and yeah. there's there's still guys on the ground um, because casualty collection hasn't hasn't gotten to them yet.
0: There's a really interesting section where um, a battery of eighteen-pounder field guns are, are, are moving up, and there's uh, there's there's a couple of bodies. One's a Highlander in a in a mm. kilt and they're, yeah. and they're basically getting yeah. going round them, you know. And these these bodies have been left there. It was they. And, and there was a, there's a, a casualty in the bottom of a trench which is quite clearly the british soldier they, di- they didn't repeat that there was there was um there was some concern that they'd included um you know casualties there's a scene where there's quite a few german um, dead bodies but but they didn't they didn't tend to repeat that and they, even during the second world war they, they that was quite heavily edited and and uh, dead yeah british i was, was going to say that were, um, it, was, were, it it so-
2: surprised me that for that exact reason because yeah, as you say, come Second World War, there's a reluctance to show that that mortality, the reality of war, um, and but I mean, saying that the film, what when you watch the film, you get no idea of you know the sixty thousand kill, yeah. know, killed and wounded on the first yeah. day. Yeah. You get no you get no inclination that the losses were so heavy on on that first day or so. Yeah,
0: um,
2: which kind of offsets that reality of war, um, but saying that. He may not have been present for it. He, he may have known it, or it may have been well, a conscious he, he decision not to show it.
1: Quite quickly after filming the, because of what he saw, he, and he got back to London to get the film processed and and, and made. Um, and he, I don't know, he went back a few times, but then he got yeah. quite ill and couldn't couldn't continue filming. So I think he he was truly affected by what he saw, and it just had to have some time out of the line because he'd he'd been filming with the French and the Belgians since. The pretty the start of the war, so he was probably quite fatigued. Perhaps evidence to suggest that he did have PTSD of what we would now call it from what he'd been seeing. So uh, you know, oh, it, possible oh. he just needed time out for his for his mental well being. But there's no there's no doubt that he you know he sets the the bar for documentary films going forward. And without Malin's, our uh, way that war is filmed. The nucleus of that is set with mm. Malins and, and McGowan mm. and these men. So, you know, without knowing it, they they invent a genre without knowing it. It's it's, in, it's, I think yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely, they That's yeah. why I
2: wanted to ask. I wanted to ask Andy, how do you see Malin, so, uh, Malin's sort work, sort of paving the way for for things like um, Summers, Mons, and Ypres? Mm. You know, those kind of productions where it's a more a much more fictionalized depiction
0: of war. As you say, it it kind of invented the genre of the war movie. It was a piece of wartime uh, propaganda. It was very, it was very brave, um, and, and when it came out, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was it was kind of rush released. Really, it was in cinemas in August, you know, uh, and by that mm-hmm. time, um, people were aware that you know Britain was Britain was in the war in a big way now. You know, um, I mean, the, the First World War started in in September 1914, but we weren't really in it in in a kind of Industrial European level until until July 1916, and then and then we were never out of it until November 1918. Mm. You know, um, so so people were aware of what was of what was going on, and and as you say, it it, it kind of set the um, set the tone um, uh, of, of what was. I, I think the looking at Ypres and Mons, you know, from the the British instructional films, the, the battle reconstruction films, as as they're now described. Um, that kind of set the template, um, and, and there were fictional reproductions of, of what MacDowell um, and Maylands had, uh, had actually created in, in real life. Apart from, apart from the sequences that link, link the bits together, I, I think the, the over-the-top sequences we know, it, which we know was filmed at, we think, um, Third, uh, Third Army Mortar School... Um, which I mean, it's quite. I mean, it's quite funny in a way. I mean, one of the you know the acting. One of the guys is shot down, and he crosses his legs after he's been shot. He's so he's so chilled about it and it's uh, looking back yeah. now we're saying you back know at the camera at one yeah. stage <laughs> is it exactly, too, you, you? Exa- exactly is it you looking know. at <laughs> That's right yeah. i mean you can imagine these these tommies would can say right well either you could like have another day on the on the on the tubes or you could do drill or whatever or do, do you fancy taking part as extras you know kind of and it was it was like a morning off wasn't it i guess but then but then it immediately, mm. immediately followed by by that sequence you you said Matt, about about seeing the guys in in kind of far distance and little black dots, you see them, and they're falling over. You know, it's possibly the Newfoundland Regiment, but uh, or it, mm. I'm I'm not sure off just off the top of my head. But that's that's for real, you know. Um, but it, but it set you yeah. set the template not just for war movies but for war documentaries as well, you know. So um, I don't know. I watched as I think you you guys have the uh, the Netflix documentary about uh, the Hollywood. Uh, film directors who went, you know, five came back. You know, went off I to you know, yeah. absolutely yeah. amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, and those guys are doing everything that Macdonald and Maylands did. Um, you know, they they are following in that in that tradition. Um, yeah. And I think the thing that surprised me and um, is that the much, you know, the much lauded Battle of San Pietro, which John Houston did, faked. He, he, he did exactly the yeah. same thing as, as melins did you know i I'd, I'd seen that film before and i thought god this looks so uh, this looks, looks so realistic but you know 36th division uh, us infantry had already had already moved on by then you know so so he had to reproduce that and i do you know something i i don't i don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that um i think sometimes you, you can't capture no. what happened but you can you can reproduce it and you can capture the, mm. the kind of essence of it.
2: Well, it's become bread and butter for yeah. documentaries, hasn't it? Now where uh, you, you often get those re, you know, recreations.
1: Yeah, we take, we just take that as normal now, don't we? We don't question yeah. it. So obviously, you know, Malin's is Battle of the Somme is, it's a game changer and come the post-war period of the twenties, we see a glut of these uh, battle recreation movies. And I think the first one that Andy tipped us off on to, to, to check out was 1925's Ypres.
0: Yeah, I mean there, there were there were quite a few, and uh, British instructional films was a company set up to um, to to do these these kind of battle reconstructions. They they, if you, if you like, they um, they provide a link between documentary and, and pure drama. Um, they they use quite a lot of documentary footage as well, so there's so that it's a mix of um, reconstruction acting. Um, and and also uh, documentary footage which is which is spliced together and I, I think they do that I think they do that quite well um, I guess ePR y- is really important um, for kind of memorialization and and, and people's um, remembrance of um, uh, of the first world one of one of Winston Churchill's more um crazy schemes and and let's be honest they had quite a few of them was that the british government buys the the remains of ypres and leaves it as a wreck as um a permanent oh, wow. as a permanent standing uh memorial to um to the to the british army because because the, the army had been since october 1914 had been based there they being. Um, at least three, possibly four if you include the nineteen eighteen battles um in the area. and it was a place mm. every tommy at some point would would serve there. The, you know the battles weren't as big as the Somme, but that's where it is. that's where the Menning gate is. it's um it's a it's a place of pilgrimage, you know, so it's really so it's really important. and there was um and and this film seeks to uh, tell the story of of all of the battles that happened uh, around the area so so it goes from nineteen fourteen. Right the way through the war, um, and it's. I, I think I think it's really interesting. Um, there are there are lots of themes in it. Uh, one of the, one of the themes that they hit on that would would resonate with people is um, telling people what they wanted to to see. In a in a, in a lot of ways, it's it's quite it's quite sanitised. It emphasises uh, duty and sacrifice, bravery. There's lots of stories about VC winners included in there. Um, you know they were quite often these films were quite often released around the time of Armistice um day in, in uh, november it was seen as part of you know the the traditional of uh, memorialization and uh, and helping you know i guess uh, as, as we as we talked about before it's um people's feelings of uh, the memory of their experience of the war was very different to to the ones we have now um so what you know there wasn't the concept of the anti-war film um that would come in a lot later. So, so what we what we, yeah. we find in in these films is, is very much the the, the image of the war that that people would um, find comfort in, uh, that they would uh, remind them of what they'd achieved. Because, because let's be honest, people had um, the war had had touched most families it's, it's it's not true to say every family someone had died yeah, cool. but, every, but everyone probably knew a family that had somebody who died or had been badly injured yeah. you know uh, like I said about the Somme being being a, a citizen army you know what um you know the armies were like John Bourne called um the British working man in uniform you know and and it was it was an experience which went right the way through society and and people were quite proud of what they'd achieved you know there wasn't really a public mood uh, for the, the the kind of negative negative aspect of, of people's understanding of it. So, so these films would um, mm. would reproduce that. A number of episodes, which included um, the counterattack of the Second Worcesters at the Battle of Gelleveldt in, in the First Eve, led by Charles FitzClarence, who was who was one of these um, crazy brave pre-war professional officers. Um, you know, one of my lecturers, uh, uh, Spencer Jones, does a, does a brilliant lecture about him. He was called The Demon. And, you know, it was, it was a very, you, did, you didn't have to dramatise it too much as, as the kind of things this guy would do, which was, you know, lead lead yeah. very much from the front. Because I, I think another one of those, um, and it kind of lapses into cliches a little bit, but um, you know, we we get the recurrent theme of the of the kind of brave officer sacrificing himself, leading his men, all the rest of it. It's actually not too far from the truth. You know, if you if you held the King's Commission in 1914 and your your reading material extended much beyond horse and hound, you were considered possibly a dangerous intellectual. Um you were expected to read clausules and understood it, but what you were expected to was first and foremost look after the welfare of your men, and second, to display absolute suicidal bravery on every occasion, uh, and and to be very casual about it as well, you know. So, so this idea of um, of officers leading from the front, coolly smoking a cigarette, saying it's getting frightfully hot around here, is the the kind of German bullets are whizzing by is, is not too, it's not too much of a, not too much of a cliche. Yeah. And I think that film reflects mm. that and what people would understand from, from that experience, yeah. you know,
1: They're like a series of vignettes, aren't they? It's, it's, it's quite easy to process as a, as a viewer, even now, you, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to know too much going in. So it can be appreciated by many age groups and there's something for everyone. You know, there's a heroic, yeah. last stand then there'll be like a more of a romantic sort of oh look at our brave tommies helping out the french you know french peasants and things like that you know it's it not only is it trying to show the horrors of war but it's trying to it shows the british army being quite the you know the the you know like really just nice people in general absolutely there's no, yeah, yeah. There's no ill will to anybody you know it's 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 the dastardly hunter dastardly but look at our boys they're so brave and and dashing and nice you know i don't get any sort of malice no towards ab- absolutely them. not you know, no one's laying the blame for the war either it's it's quite a refreshing way to view the war i think because it's there's none of this sort of as you said at the start there's no lions there by donkeys there's no what was the point of it all no. it's it is quite a it's quite a clean view of the
0: war which i think is interesting in itself people weren't questioning um, you know the rights and wrongs of the war at this stage. I mean. Um, you know, the 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 war poets were very were very influential. And and as we find, you know, when we get to Germany's end, you know, um people were were looking at, and it was it was something that couldn't be denied, you know. Um there were there were wounded people, wounded in, in body and in mind, politically, all-time consensus where everyone came together pretty much, um, had started to fracture again. Um so there were a lot of questions. I, I think I mean it's really quite interesting in, in Ypres, there's um there's a section talking about. Um, you know i think it's the Messine ridge when when they talk about the mining there and there's one of the uh, the intertitle cards um makes explicit mention of the miners from wales and the Thumbland and yorkshire um, and and the irony is that within a year the general strike would be on and these very same men would be the the enemies within you know to use market <laughs> Thatcher's phrase yeah. from the 1980s you know um but at the time they were they mm. were heroes you know they were they were part of the part of the war effort and they were lauded for for what they achieved you know um but I, I think the film the film is is really interesting there's um i mean it's shame there are lots of different versions of this because um a few, a few people have, have written quite a lot um uh, about you know silent cinema and and the great war uh, Lawrence Napper is a, is a film academic has written a brilliant book called the Great War and Popular... British cinema of the nineteen twenties, and it makes the point that actually there are a number of prints of this around, and there are, they're like any old film, there are missing sections, and you know, so what, so what we yeah. we have is you know what we can what we can find at the moment. I think it struggles sometimes to to portray what we what we understand, particularly around uh, the Third Battle of Ypres, Passchendaele. The cards, you know, the title cards mention the, the terrible conditions and the mud, yet. It's completely dry when you see the film, and there's dust everywhere, yeah, and that's yeah. not how we remember it. Yeah. And I think uh, it, it it kind of fails from from that perspective. I think, um, you know, seeing seeing the tanks in action is is brilliant, but I think anybody who knows anything about Third Third, even knows that the tanks were an absolute catastrophe because the conditions were so bad. But you know, if we if we yeah. kind of think about an Alitali using the unditching un- beam on the on the Mark IV tank was uh, was yeah. a highlight for me. I mean, I, like, I was absolutely made up of it's
2: that. It super- again, it's stuff it's stuff that you see used over and over again. It's you know those kind of things pop up and people go, oh, that's real. Yeah, you know, and that, that's one of the problems with Mons and Ypres. Um, people just sort of assume that these recreations are real, especially Mons. Yeah, like, yeah. There's numerous documentaries that seem to have done. Not so, not so much recently, but you know, I can remember like as a kid watching documentaries, and and they'd have they'd have that famous sequence of the guys lining like a a, debt, um, a slightly sunken road, and the officers like being handed an SMLE. Warwalks cuts
1: in a lot yeah. of months.
2: Yeah, 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 and it's understandable because there's almost no photography from that period of the war at all, really.
0: I mean I mean Mons is uh, it, it pre it predates um you know the um the, the and McDowell being allowed to to be at the front. You know it was yeah. the end of it was the end of nineteen fifteen when when the army said look we you know we we need to we need to show people at home where what these guys are doing and where they are, you know, and it's and it's useful yeah. propaganda. A fairly Untrustworthy medium, you know, which is which is pretty new to Yeah, they didn't see the merit in it, did they? They they thought it was like a working
1: class pursuit, you know, there's no there's no want or need to film the British Army yeah. apart from a few instructional training films they'd made themselves internally, yeah. but they didn't think there was any want for it. But you know, i I it does make me wonder what Malins would have captured if he'd have been there. Because oh, the stuff God, he yeah. with the French and the Belgians, I can't remember the name of the movie. I think it's like The Battle of Lair... Oh crikey, I can't remember the one. But he made a film about the yeah. French. Um, I think it was like 1915 release, and that proved to the War Office that oh, Malin's work is yeah. really good. Yeah. Let's get him in. The only downfall for me with Mons was I spent more time thinking, oh, okay, that's actually from Mons. Then that's that's not just a recreated <laughs> bit of film. <laughs> so, see, I know that it wasn't real footage of Mons when I watched these documentaries, but. I think I just spent more time going. Oh, okay, that's from Mons then. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's sort of. It, it, it's a little bit like Battle of the Somme, where all those little clips and sequences you've seen spread out are actually just from Malin's Somme film. They're not from yeah. like nineteen fourteen. They're not from, you know, earlier in the war. So I just think that's really interesting that these only about maybe three of these movies are responsible for almost all of the contemporary footage we think of when we think of the First
0: World War. I think that's just insane. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, it's um, yeah, that, that provides us with um, with so much material. Anyone who's watched the nineteen sixties TV series, The Great War, it's ubiquitous. It's it's absolutely everywhere. I mean, I guess the only thing you couldn't use the guys with with Brody helmets in in nineteen fourteen because it would, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't fly. But um, I, I think the I think the interesting thing for me is that I guess this kind of cinema sensibility was still developing. At this time you know the the camera work is very static a lot you know there was there was mm. um, the cameras were, were fixed and the action would move into shot or it would move out of shot the camera wouldn't necessarily follow the action so you you'd get the cameraman mm. setting up something and it remained pretty static there were very few close-ups you know no zoom there's there's no kind of like dolly shots where you know I mean actually turn turns out in in Mons there are a couple where the camera's moving. With with the troops who are marching, mm. but in in Ypres, there's there's nothing like that, and so you you get scenes where I guess we're all familiar with these these kind of Victorian era uh, last stand paintings, you know Isandwana or you know the yeah Lady Butler absolutely sort of stuff, absolutely isn't it? And, and, they, <laughs> and and there's a scene at the end of. Uh if Ypres wears a guy, he's got a he's he's got a bandage around his head, he's holding his rifle and he's standing there proud, holding back and the the german advance and there's you know Ypres in the background It's a wreck and it and it could be taken from a painting and it's 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 that kind of tradition of you know the last stand yeah. the heroic kind of uh tommy who will fight to the final round which which i think people would would recognize from from Prince you know in you know, hanging on the wall or what have you. But it but it wasn't it wasn't a yeah. sort of language of cinema that, we, that was much more dynamic and fast moving that you'd see, say for example, in in the big parade, which we're going to talk about. But that but that was for me was um was a characteristic of, of these films. Is they're they're still not quite using the language of cinema that that I guess you know the, the art form if you like yeah. can can provide you.
1: Very matter of fact, isn't it? It's very matter of fact filmmaking. It's like, here's what I've read. Here's what, here's yeah. how the battle goes. That's a lot, you know. Its sense of scale is really impressive. Yeah, yeah. The, the amount of men on screen at any one given time. The fact that these, a lot of these men were serving and probably had fought, you know, on the Western Front themselves. And it, it's a little bit like theirs is the glory, yeah. where just that extra layer of of professionalism from the cast. Yeah. From their professional jobs as soldiers, it comes through on screen. You know, I really enjoyed seeing the officers lean into their shots with their rifles, and you know, just how men were sort of it. It just looks so natural, and I think that that almost lifts the film. I can forgive it for being quite long, and some scenes just feel like this a bit you've already just seen. You know, how many men, how many men being swarmed by Germans do we need? you know, it, it's it's not the fault. It's not the filmmakers' fault because they're just trying to show you what's happening. But well, you know, the thing it, with
2: the with Mons is it's blow by blow. Yeah. It's yeah. like it is literally the entire 100, 100, first first hundred days of World War One from the British yeah. perspective.
1: And imagine trying to get that off the ground now. You, you would not, never do it, no, even as a, yeah. even
2: as a series. It would never happen. So I I think Mons especially is 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 my favorite of yeah. most of these that we, I, we've looked at for this particular chat because. It combines so many interesting things. You've got action sequences where bridges are being blown, houses are falling down. You've got contemporary footage of Sir John French is spliced yeah, means, in. Yeah. Um, Smith Dorian oh, pops up in a cameo, amazing. which is I- incredible. Yeah. You know, you just, uh, and it goes all the way from the first sort of cavalry skirmish um, straight through to the um, the, the the batteries duelling at array. It it's literally goes straight through and it, the cinematography of it is really impressive and it, it struck me that it pushes a lot of boundaries. Even, as you mentioned, Andy, compared to ypra it, it pushes it because there's dolly shots, there's, there's lots of close-up yeah. work, there's practical effects going on, there are reaction shots, um, there's, the, as I mentioned, there's the splicing of contemporary footage, and then there's you know, bringing in people who are actually there—not only the, the, the people portraying the, the, the phrase, actions, the but also Smith Dorey. Really
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
1: Yeah, especially that I think my, one of my favourite sequences the bit where the the officers getting handed the the li- the, the loaded mm. rifles. I really like the, just the way that shot there. we seeing the, all the men up the line fighting. It you know it is like a painting. It reminds me of those famous Mon's paintings of men firing over ditches and and th- and and, and some yeah, backwards
2: yeah, um, tunics open. Uh, it's
1: and, and, you I, and know, I love seeing walk uh, marching pattern. 08 it's just it's so good it's you know i mean it's sort of fighting in it because it's There's an attention stuff, to detail uh, yeah.
2: isn't it and that's the impressive part they could have easily have just put a load of lads in in uniform and gone well there we go that's mm. it um but you know they've they've tried to include those little details um officers with the you know correct sword patterns and yeah
1: it's um, nice
2: isn't the, it the, the 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 way that they're their putties have come unraveled as they're marching and you know, these like these sort of emotive shots that they get because there are I mean, you mentioned Rob, there's a load of scenes where they, they get swarmed, but there's also a heck of a lot of scenes where they, it's just close yeah. up to feet. And yes. you can totally understand why they were doing that because it is, you know, it's probably British army's greatest retreat since uh Lack Yeah. runner yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, in the peninsula. But it's, it, yeah, it's an incredible <sighs> film. Um And I think it, Possibly might be my favourite one of the of of the ones that we Just because it's such an interesting sort of like footnote in how style developed. I, I think you're I think yeah. you're
0: absolutely right, Matt, to point this out. I mean, for me, um, Mons just takes it on in terms of quality just just a, 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 another level. It's um, it it uses um, a lot of very. I mean, it looks very realistic, as you as you say. Matt, you know the the, mm. the guys are working the bolts on the on the SMLEs, and it looks absolutely hundred percent natural. The cavalrymen... I love uh,
2: how many times you see Vickers guns with their top cover. <laughs> yeah. In
0: this film, <laughs> it's just it's just amazing. And the cavalry as well, they're handling the horses really well. You know, they're using the 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 08, um, cavalry sword, and that comes into action. We got we got lancers. It's fantastic. I got I got a couple of friends on the on the course who would like to be big into cavalry. So they, they would absolutely love that one. It's, um, mm. but I, I think in terms of its, its technicality, as you say, there are, there are a few shots where, you know, the, there's obviously a, a camera on the back of a, uh, of a cart or, or, a uh, a car, which is following the soldiers moving, which is, I mean, you, you watch enough of these films with the static cameras and something like that happens. It absolutely jumps out at you. You know, the, um, yeah, that, it's, it's just yeah. amazing. I, I think the, um, one of the things for me is was one of my favorite sequences you know you, you get the marching feet it looks it looks fuzzy and out of focus it gives the impression of men marching as if they're asleep which a lot of people contemporary records would say you know I didn't sleep for three days and I, I still marched kind of 30 miles and I can't remember it and you get that impression of how weary it was the the bit um yeah. the bit where they uh, they get into San Quentin and um. You know, Major uh, Major Bridges, he, he buys a uh, a toy drum from a from a a toy shop, and it, and he plays the drum, and he get, he gets his bugler to to play on a on a penny whistle to rouse the men, and it's it's hilarious, and it would be ridiculous if it wasn't if it wasn't actual facts, if it was if that hadn't actually happened, you wouldn't yeah. believe it. The boxing match is a bit bizarre as the, well. The, the boxing match is in, in, incredibly bizarre. But I think you know, if we if we talk if we're talking about I'd like to look we have to talk about it in a minute, but the the thing that's incredible is the it's all about the kind of myth building as well, because because what had happened in Saint mm. Quentin that time was was something of a scandal, is that, that two regular officers who were like colonels in um leading uh, the Royal Warwick's and the Royal Dublin Fusiliers had agreed to surrender their commands and surrender the town um, and th- you know this this chap um, Bridges comes up and says oh hang on a bit we're we'll not having any of that uh, and rouses the troops and, and they continue the retreat. Um, they, these two these two officers were court-martialed they were they were cashiered um, and Mannering retired Elkington absolutely in disgrace he was, a, he was a lieutenant colonel leading a battalion regular officer um, he's he's kicked out of the army in disgrace, and he joins the French Foreign Legion, and he fights with distinction. He he wins a DSO, and he's given his command back. That doesn't. I think that's a fantastic story, but it it doesn't. It, Let's have it's, a film of that. Know, man, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't fit into the.
2: Starts with a cutscene of him looking at the mess. Web. <laughs> That's
0: there? right. Yeah, it would be. I would be superb. I, I would. I would love to see that. But um, that doesn't. That doesn't fit into the the narrative of what we what we want to sort of think about what happened. So so we get mm. this great sequence of of um, bridges. He's playing the he's playing the drums and there's a there's a fade in of um of a a drummer in full dress uniform and and it's like you can you can imagine they're. That again is quite a
2: technical Absolutely. thing
0: for that yeah, point yeah,
2: yeah. In, in cinema. So it fades in on the left hand side of the screen. Yeah. It's it's like a it's one of the guards bands, I think. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, mm. and it's evoking that and, and you and you know that the uh, the cinema piano player is going to be playing the British Grenadiers or what have you when that when that's going mm. on, and it's um, you know it's in, it's incredibly moving. I think it's uh, it, technically it's a much better film, um, and and I think it moved on. I, I think the little vignettes we get we get the Highlander who's, who escapes from a burning windmill. Um, who where you know yeah. the germans have kind of locked him in and they're going to burn him you know the, the beastly hun and all the rest of it he managed to get away that's that's a good little bit of a human drama but i, I think the thing you mentioned Matt, about the the boxing uh with with the uh the lancashire uh, soldier who finds a, a german cavalryman who's obviously got lost. And what what's he going to do? Well, obviously in real life he just shoots him and he carry on. But he, he that's not the British way, is it? Mm-hmm. So they take their jackets off and have a boxing match, and he knocks him clean out. Nick's his brat worst is decently enough to leave him half, uh, and he and he trundles off on his way, which I think is is fantastic, you know, because because people would have a bit of a laugh at that, but they'd also recognise it as being. Well, yeah, that's the British spirit. That's the British way. You know, we, we're decent and we're fair and we're yeah. fighting straight up, you know.
1: It's subtly like showing how that a nation has bested another nation as well. It's really subtle. Mm. It, well, not subtle. It's quite blunt. But, it, it, um, you know, how, showing the might of the country through a scene, it, it, whether that's the intention of the filmmaker or not. You know, you can write, you can think in a contemporary way now thinking, well, that's what you're trying to show, surely, through that sequence.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think it's uh, I think it works. And um, it's tr- I think it's trying to to bridge the gap between uh, a, like drama documentary and and um, I guess making that human connection, you know, between w- between people and events, which which only really pure drama yes. can do. Which, which I, I guess would probably lead quite nicely onto the big parade, which you know came out in 1925. Yeah. Um, it's it's a huge contrast because it's um, it's, a, it's a it's a big budget Hollywood production and, and it looks it it's it's pure drama. There's no pretense to being to being documentary. It's based it's based on true events. it's written by Lawrence Stelling, who was a, 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 a Marine veteran of the the Battle of Belleau Wood. Um, and so it's it's got that authenticity about it, but it's um, it's it's pure drama, and it was massively successful, incredibly influential. I think it shows a, a huge contrast between the American approach to representing the war and and something you know the the, the British domestic film industry was was a bit reticent to embrace, you know, with it is it a subject which lends itself to to drama melodrama, in fact, you know, with a bit of romance in it. You know, is it is it an appropriate subject? You know, we we had that Mademoiselle from Armand Tears, there's a there's a bit of the guns of loose, which has got a personal drama in it. But by and large we we kind of shied away from from that kind of thing. I think I think the story as well, um the angle it takes is quite American, you know, the central character um uh, Jim, who's who's a who's a rich playboy, he he ends up joining up uh, with a with a couple of guys, Slim and Bull, who, who are working class characters. He, he joins up as a, as a book, private. Which if if that was if that was a British made film, he'd be an officer for sure, you know. But he he, he, yeah. he, joined, he yeah, joins he joins sort true. of forty second Rainbow Division with with them. He goes off to France, and you know it's uh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the first the first couple of. Um, I guess the, the, the first half of the film, possibly more of it, is, is is establishing that connection with the audience and the lives of these individuals so that you're seeing how the war affects human beings because you've seen them laugh, you've seen them joke, you've seen them get into scrapes. Jim falls in love with a French girl and there's that investment in their, in their relationship, I guess. So when the casualties happen, they're happening, they're happening to people that we've invested in on a human level, and, and I think that has that has a real impact. Um, I, I think another thing for me is that it's a film that really uses the language of cinema in a way that the others the others didn't. There's there's a, a really incredible scene where um, Jim's unit has been called up and they're being transported to to the front, um, and uh, uh, Melisande, his his girlfriend, is looking for him. She's running up and down, and at one point she's sandwiched in between two rows of moving traffic. In, in the foreground, there's marching men in in the um the background mm. there's there's trucks and carts and she's in focus in the middle in the middle of these and it's a very dynamic scene and it and it's mm. and it's moving and it's kind of um it's quite thrilling in a way and, and and for me that's that's embracing what was technically possible uh in in i guess without wanting to sound too pompous the sort of cinematic art which which the big parade does show you know there's um, there, there are lots of um, very good panoramic shots. You know, the you know the bit where the, the trucks are moving up. And you've got the planes flying overhead. Yeah. It's it's a it's showing the war on a huge scale, but at the same time on a very human level as well, which which I think it it pulls off really really well. I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought of the film. I really liked it.
2: Well, it starts off much the same, doesn't it? It's it's at that same sort of Hollywood level. It's D.W. Griffith sort of scale sort of approach to things he comes down the stairs in his family yeah. home and it's huge yeah you yeah. know it's palatial and the film carries that on throughout even you know once they're in the field the the scope of the landscapes are much bigger than even mons where you get these really nice long shots but with this you see like three four hundred yards through through the lines of trees when they're in in um in the woods and you can see the guys moving forward through, you know, through the, through the trees. And as you say, with that sequence, it it goes on for such a long time as well, that sequence where they're looking for each other in, in the town and they're all passing one another and she's calling for him and he's looking around and um, there's everything's going on that you could literally just watch the background of that scene. Um, Easily. It's a really interesting film and in the, 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 the grading of the film stock changes quite a bit as well so that some of the scenes where um the night fighting are like got like a bluish yeah yeah i mean that may depend on the, the the print that you watch but it seems to be more like a almost a conscious sort of attempt perhaps in the restorer that i watched the version i watched uh, they've they've done that but but cinematically yeah you can see how it's a, it's from a different sort of yeah school. it's
0: it's it's very impressive I, I think um i mean i've seen all quite on the western front with those uh tints uh, added to it um and mm. i mean it's 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 really good as you say you know there's a i think it's a bluish there's like a blue tint in the night scenes i think when there's a um, there's a yeah there's a cpa yeah, yeah, on, yeah.
2: on some of the scenes and there's there's a blue and yeah, I, well, I mean, to mention Awkward on on the West it's five years on, and that's from the, the German yeah. school of, yeah. of of cinema, isn't it? So it's it's well, I'm thinking West Front that's there, right. um, but you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Um, I, th- I think I mean looking at um, when it actually does get to the battle sequence, it it, it it kind of starts off a bit unconvincing when when they're walking through essentially the Hollywood Hills, and it's. Um, you know, the walking straight lines and the Germans don't look that kind of, you know, convincing and, you know, they're, they're mm. throwing grenades that have like a massive but effect. But
2: that's, that's one of the scenes that I, I, I liked the scale of, but yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So the, the Germans are sort of like standing that's right, yeah, at yeah. one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like they almost haven't bothered to dig a, a trench <laughs> system for the for the, the sequence. But
0: when it when night, when night falls, it really could... it really picks up. You know, when it gets to night, mm, um, it it becomes um, more more of a threatening environment. It becomes more that um, there's more a sense of peril, and I, I think it looks more convincing. It takes on
2: a little bit of um, sort of. I mean, the the period, this cinema, this period for cinema is obviously. Um, Characterised a lot by of like surrealism,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, and and the and the, the the play between realism and surrealism, and it, it almost has an American slant on that at times, where it's sort of it's very stark close-ups, there's flashes of light, which it lends itself to sort of portraying battle. I think because surreal is well, battle is surreal mm. because it's a situation that almost no one that isn't mm. involved in a war mm. would find themselves in or experience. Another scene I really love from the film is the this the scene where they're strafed in column. Yes. And it begins with the, the pilot's eye view and he's cocking his machine gun. That that's impressive to me.
0: But, yeah, I mean there was a, there's a few sort of aerial scenes there, you know, which um which I mean just demonstrated what was available um then. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was a big budget and yeah, they totally. you know by mid twenties, Hollywood's absolutely booming. Uh, they were making huge amounts of money, and I think as well the the acting. I mean, I mean John Gilbert and Rene Adore were fantastic in this film. Um, you know, they within the limitations of what was available in in the kind of non-speaking uh, era, I, I mm. think I think they do a great job. I, I think the main cast of characters um, really do a great job of of selling you know the personalities involved, and and you do have that. That investment in in what happens to them, and I, and I think at the end, you know, the the film climax is obviously with Jim makes it home, um, and and I think you can you could almost imagine when he when he walks into the you know the, the drawing room you're talking about in his palatial home, and his mom and dad are there, yeah. and you know he's, he's got this haunted look on his face when his dad's driving him home, and, and you know he's he's a guy who's been somewhere and seen something, comes through, he walks through the door and he's got a leg missing and you can just imagine the audience gasping at that point, you know, the, the, mm. the impact of that, at, of someone. And, um, you know, obviously he's got his girlfriend at home, but luckily his, his brother's taken his kind of, he's got one girlfriend too many and, and handily <laughs> his brothers helped him out with that. So he, he goes back and reunited with um, you know, alessandre's is, is, um is French, uh, Melisandre is, is French girlfriend. And, and it and it finish, and it finishes on a on a on a high note, but at the same time, while we've not got into this um, the era of, you know, war is hell; it destroys lives, and it, you, you know, there's no escaping the fact that that the two out of the three main characters that that you'd invested in are dead, and one of them has, has got his got his had his leg shot off, and and so what war comes at a cost; it's not all heroics. You know, uh, yeah. lives are affected by this, but
2: oh, but it... it's it's a clear depiction of oh, PTSD. Sure. Absolutely, I right. mean the, 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 that sequence where he's in the hospital bed and the sequences in the car with his father. It's 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 clear. I mean, the, it's probably, I, I suppose, one of the earliest depictions of that. I suppose. I'm not I'm not uh, au fait with um, you know that that side of of academic, academic study of, yeah. of PTSD on film, but this must be one of the earlier.
0: Earlier yeah. examples, I, absolutely. That that completely surprised me as well, because because I, cause I um, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that Jim did the, the guy. He's he sandwiched between two of the guys in the hospital, but one's clearly been you know through quite a bit. He's got his arm in a in a cast, and he's he's been injured physically. And the guy next to him is is literally tied into a bed, and he's screaming, you know. Um, and and I think that is quite brave, yeah. um, and probably quite shocking mm-hmm. for people uh, to see that happen. Um, so for all it, and, and I know it, it, it's interesting because I remember you, you talking about uh, objective Burma with with James a few weeks ago, and and the um, yeah. the press reaction in the UK about oh the, the Americans are kind of dramatising and it's it's not suitable for melodrama and what about the British exactly the same kind of reaction to uh, to um, uh, big Parade, you know and um, you know a lot of the uh, local and national press were saying. This, this is Hollywood making money out of you know this this experience and it's it's not suitable for melodrama mm-hmm. and it doesn't represent what you know Britain's larger contribution to the war because it was massively larger. So that so there's nothing mm. new about that. I mean, so you could a- a- kind of trace the, the kind That's of interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the reaction is was exactly the same right through to what was it you five seven one or whatever it is or the the yeah. enigmas yeah. to me yeah. <laughs> it, like, or, it or that... annoys me because I, I like
1: i like to think that we should know better than to just blame like what a country did in a war and then disparage their contribution to it yeah i i, I think it's so an odd thing to do but to hear they were doing it even back then it's oh you know, I, and when the americans absolutely. come into the first world war they're really you know they're really useful to the war effort with manpower and you know, you know, material might and things, and it's yeah. It, it's a little bit disappointing to hear that people were annoyed by it even back then. You think they because they're so close to the event. You think they perhaps would think of it differently, but it's so odd just to hear that they didn't. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I it, it's not.
0: I don't know. It's, it's kind of reassuring that people are still the same as they always, they always were. You know, because <laughs> people back in the nineteen twenties are no different than than they are now. You know, um, yeah. and you know, it's it's interesting because. Uh, Cinema is, is a is a commercial business. Uh, the big parade was was produced cool. in Hollywood, so it's going to have a, an American flavour. It. It's not it's not pretending to be anything that, that, it, that it isn't. It's not you know the Americans were very heavily involved. You s- you see French soldiers. You see you see French soldiers coming yeah. back from the front. You see some dead bodies wearing you know Adrian helmets and you know they're clearly identified as, as French. You don't you don't see any British. It's it's not the part of the front we're involved in. The story in the book doesn't involve British characters. I I sure. I, I, I yeah. haven't got a beef with that at all, you know. And there's no, you know, no. like the other ridiculous scene in Saving Private Ryan when they're talking about how useless Montgomery is and all the rest of it. There's there's nothing like that, you know, there's nothing that's saying yeah. we're coming yeah. over here to show these limeys how to fight this war or anything like that. There's no, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, nothing exactly in that. Right. I, I think it's a perfectly honourable film, yeah. you know. Um and, and and I think it I think it succeeds. And I, i i think the mm. um and i think somewhere along the way the american involvement
1: of the first world war sort of is put by the yeah, wayside absolutely. so you know it, it, it's at least there are there there's the lost battalion yeah. film which i think is a hidden gem um even now it's a bit of a hidden oh, yeah, gem. Agree with that. yeah their part of war is just as important as as the rest of the countries. it's it's you
0: know it's, it's not something to be sort of like you know, no, sneered a, at absolutely absolutely not and they um you know the and the americans went through exactly the same process we did you know they they had a tiny tiny little army which they grew into a massive citizen army they didn't know how to fight initially and they learned they learned the hard way just like we did quite nicely onto journey's end you know which which i think traces yes. you know the, the the kind of development arc of of how the war was was shown in the cinema and i don't think you could get a film like journey's end appearing any time before a before talkies because it's it's a film of a play and it's, and it's very talky, but also the subject matter and the yeah. depiction of the characters there is completely um is completely mm. out of kilter with with the guys the heroic officers we talked about in, um yeah. in the the battle of reconstruction films you know a very famous uh play first produced in, in 1927 R.C. sheriff he was a he was a veteran himself he served on the western Front and uh I mean I' I've, this I've was,
2: uh Stalin's from um at big parade obviously. yeah yeah I,
0: I, he was a I, marine who lost a leg at, Bellawood, at Bellawood. yeah absolutely so. um so it has that it has that authenticity you know, um, and I think anybody anybody who's who's interested in the First World War, um, you know, has to watch the 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 Somme documentary. Has to watch a *Journey's End*. And I mean, I've seen um, I saw it in um, in Epres a few years ago. A mesh theatre company did it, and it's um, in a very in a small hut, very very close to it. It's very it's a very claustrophobic play and film. It takes place mostly in a dugout. Yeah. It is. Um, and it's incredibly intense, you know, because these these are people who are you know reaching the end of their tether particularly Stanhope the main character um and it's because that proximity you, you feel you feel very close to what's happening it feels incredibly claustrophobic um so i, I what, what we're seeing and we, within the confines of, sort of i guess british class structure it's a very class conscious film. The, you know the main characters yeah. are all officers. The um apart from the sergeant major, who I think is pretty credible. The the uh, other rank characters, Mason, 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 is Mason is the is their orderly and cook, and he's a kind of a comic character. And you know, at one point yeah. they talk about him almost like he's he's too stupid to understand what he's what he's experiencing. If he if he had a bit more sensibility like we did yeah, yeah. and a decent public school education, yeah. he'd you know, he'd understand how shit everything was. You know, but. <laughs> They make him out and he like he's flapping
1: about like, Oh, I'm sorry, sir. The the that <laughs> told me it was gonna be pineapple, but it's apricot. I'm so sorry, sir. You know, it's like, it's like the worst things that happen to him, yeah. Yeah, it's like he thinks he's gonna be put on a charge because you know, the tin of fruits were on. <laughs> it's like and it's all this like, calm down, it's okay. And he's like, Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you, Uncle, and and then you can tell Stanhope and he won't be mad at me. It is that class thing and and Trotter's like Common officer, yeah. every man officer. I think he's my he's my favourite character in any yeah. rendition of Journey's End. Yeah. He gets
0: the best lines. I he, he does get the best lines. He's 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 a he's a man of of uncertain accent. I mean, he's he's part Cockney, part Australian, part Dick Van Dyke. Um,
1: yeah, because was it Billy? Billy Bevan was Australian,
0: right, yeah, wasn't he? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of seeps through a little bit, but he, he's, a, he's a very, a bit. he's a very sympathetic character. But I think, I think what, you, what you're seeing in this film is is a much more cynical and weary view of the war than than you'd seen in any of the previous films. You know, um, the the, the, yes. the impact on on the psyche of, of the participants is you know when he comes through. I mean, I mean Robert Clive who um who plays Stanhope is um I mean he's a really he's Colin a really Clyde, interesting sorry, sorry Colin, Clive, Colin Clive, yeah he's he's a really interesting character um I mean he was in he was actually filmed in Hollywood at the time but James Whale was the director and and Whale and Clive went on to make Frankenstein the year after. Um, and Clive had played Stanhope on on stage in uh, in London in 1929, so he's he familiar with the role, and um he, he was kind of bit of method acting going on there because he was a, he was a terrible alcoholic himself, uh, and 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 looked pretty much you could probably do the role without makeup because he, he had that kind of drawn, you know, slightly hysterical yeah. kind of demeanor, which which he plays really really well, and yet yeah, the um, it's a very stagey film uh, again we're not looking at anything dramatic I think the external scenes with the trench raid and the final German attack is, is quite dramatic uh, that, that looks really good yeah. they're well done I, aren't they? I, th- I think very so well absolutely I mean there's um, there's lots of sort of convincing artillery sort of going on and and, a, and a very much a sense of peril which, which the play built up to coming into the trench at night
1: that's really well done like I really yeah. like that you know I know the Age has not been kind to the print, but you can see what they're going for, and it, it's really well done. Echoes the 2017 yeah. film almost. Beats yeah, beats. they're very
2: faithful to the source material, aren't they? Very both faithful. films really.
1: Yeah, and it, it's the contrasting scenes of the dugout, then being outside, and it's you know that you feel safe in the dugout outside. You feel like you could be killed yeah. any minute. I don't know. There's just something about the the 1931 that I don't know. Maybe feels more more not natural and can't think of the word but because these men would have known the war the audience knows the war it's only yeah 20 years ago when it happened and you know the 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 spring offense of 1918 was so important i know when we talked to taff you know he was saying everyone in there in those theaters would know Absolutely. that date like the yeah. back of their hand because of because of how shocking it was when it happened
0: yeah
1: and there's just something is that extra layer? You know, I, I always say about those is the glory and battleground and things like that. I know we always mention them, but there is the extra layer there because of the context of how these films are made and who makes them and who acts in them and the audience that views them. The movie, when it's made, is a part so much a part of the cultural context yeah. of of its releasing
0: period. If you know what I mean. If that makes any sense. No, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I think one of the things that have, all these films have in common is that. Everybody appearing it, in it would have had some personal connection with the war. Would have remembered it. Would have possibly have been in it. Yeah. Uh, would have known somebody who had been in it. Would have known someone who died. And and I think you're almost like it's a, it's like a window into the past, you know. Um, and it's captured on yeah. celluloid. And and these people are expressing it. And I I think for all for all its limitations, and I know Clive's performance at times is, is a bit kind of hysterical and. You know but but it's you absolutely believe that this is a guy who is who is just hanging on by his fingernails uh and, and there's and there's mm. been places and there's seen things that that most people just wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to stand and and there's a couple of scenes where where he, he talks down uh Hibbert who who wants to go sick and the you know one of my favorite you know speeches in you know when he said, you know, common old boy, st- you know, stick it out and what more can a decent man do? You know, it, it's 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 incredibly moving. Yeah. And and I think at the end, um when when Raleigh's fatally wounded and he's brought down to the dugout, and and you just see Stan up change as as a it, it literally changes. His voice changes, his facial expression changes, he, he becomes not this drunken, world weary, cynical mm. or, and he becomes he becomes kind and and soft really in a way, and his humanity returns to him. and And, and I think that that end scene where it's almost like I said, you, you know, you could you could come through this and you could be destroyed as a human being, either physically or emotionally. But at the end, I, I guess I guess the love for fellow man and and his his friendship, you know, yes. with um, you know with Raleigh, he, he comes out and he, and he you know his humanity resurfaces again you know just before he's called back up to the trench and, and goes to a certain death and, and the dugout becomes mm-hmm. engulfed in smoke and it fades to darkness you know which we know is the end of the of the play and you know it, you, you don't need that kind of rubbing in that this this is the end for all these guys um yeah. and, and, I, and i think i think for all its limitations as a as a piece of cinema, and and you're right. I mean, the, the print I've seen isn't isn't in great shape, and it could really do with a with the restoration job. I think I, I think it really works, uh-huh. and for for a lot of the points that you make, Robbie, about it being having that closeness and connection, that authenticity, that for, for all this kind of technical um, you know superiority that the 2017 film had, I think there's something there's something quite special about the the, the 1931. Um, and, 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 mm. and, it, and it's interesting because it, it just introduces a lot of lot of um, themes it, it about you know the the film um, depictions of the war that we'd we'd see would become yeah. standard tropes. You know the the cynicism, the world weariness, the you know destruction to mind and spirit. Um, you know people hanging on for the sake of hanging on rather than you know to to achieve heroic mm. deeds. You know they you know they the victory is hanging in there you know and 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 that comes out time and time again in in films that subsequently fall and and Mm. i guess to round it out i think for me that it kind of marks um marks a development of how how cinema showed the war is that the 1920s had that period where you know we were we were mourning we were uh, commemorating we were remembering uh, and there was there was a kind of unspoken pride about what was, what had happened, and the films represented that. That's what we wanted to see. From 1930 onwards, when you get um, uh, *Journey's End*, you get *All Quiet on the Western Front* coming out. Um, you know *West Front* 1918, and all the films virtually that, that subsequently followed would we'll just take a darker, more critical look at the war, and, and would then go on to shape, I think, how we how we felt about it and how we remembered the war and and what what a public perception is for the majority of people. And I, I think that's incredibly yeah. interesting. Because that was going to be a,
1: that was going to be a question I was going to ask you Andy, from your research for your, your thesis and your, your your research for your masters, how do you think these, I mean, not, maybe not perhaps these four movies we've talked about, but how do you think movies of of that era that we've just talked about, do you think they shape modern depictions? Like, you know, within the last maybe 20 years of the First World War, do you think they still, are they still relevant
0: yeah, I mean, I think I think it's really interesting. We um, silent cinema tends to get overlooked uh, an awful lot. Um, I, I mentioned I mentioned Lawrence's his book, but also Mark Connolly has written a, a great book called Celluloid uh, War Memorials" about about the work of British instructional films. Um, but what was so interesting about this is that, but why was that so impactful? What had happened before? And as like any good historian asks, you know, well, how did we get here? And how did we arrive at the point where Something could come along and challenge what our what our view was, and I think looking back at a lot of the films, particularly things like The Big Parade, it established a lot of tropes that that continue. Mm. You know the you know the the um, you know that connection with with the, the individual in the midst of events that are outside of their control. Uh, some of the some of the visual tropes as well, the panoramic view of uh, of warfare. You know the marching you know boots that we see in. in you know, in uh, Mons or, or what have you, uh, you know, the, the language of cinema was, was really developing, but developing fast, you know, and uh, yeah, in, in some ways, the, the, what we're getting now it is just an evolution of, of what was there in, in I guess, in essence, w- way back in the, in the late 20s, early, early 30s. Um, so, mm. so I, I think, for, for me, it's an important starting point and, and to understand how we've got to where we are now I think you've got to look back because um because these really deeply embedded cultural attitudes they 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 happen through you know establishing layers you know like like geology you know and it's you don't you don't change mm. that culture overnight you know it, it changes very very slowly and and for me this is this is why it's such an interesting subject because i think cinema has been incredibly important in in establishing that that cultural legacy yeah,
1: that you know, that's why we do the pod. It is how we remember the past. It's it's just yeah. a fact. You know, whether you like it or not, it is good to go back and see this immediate post war era because they go from a cinema goes from showing the war in a grand scale, showing battles, to nineteen thirty Journey's end just showing men's experiences. Yeah. Mm. It like scales down. It's that smaller view of men in war that I appreciate more than a very stylized depiction, like
0: 1917 had. I couldn't agree more, really. I mean, I, I love I love spectacle as, as much as as much as the next person, but um, I mean, I don't mm. I don't know who said it originally, but it's someone said like, great drama is not what happens, it who it happens to, you know. And and I think if you do, if right. you don't if you don't have that investment in the characters and you actually care what happens to them and and you you see the effect on events, um, you know, the effect on them as individuals. You know, you can have you can have watch as many spectacles as you like, but it doesn't really impact on you. And and I think if you, if you think about the things that really it affects you personally, it's because you identify with someone. It, because the personal experience is is demonstrated there for you. You can share with it. You can empathise. You can experience emotionally in a, in a way that I, I think you're right. Journey's End does um and and perhaps some of the 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 kind of re, reconstruction films or the spectaculars don't because it's just things that are happening to other people you know but if you if you know mm. you know, like 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 jim or slim or bull in in a big parade it, it's it's you know when, when when those two guys die this is something you've got to know you know and it, and it means something and, and kind of loss um has got to be the loss of something, not just a casualty figure, you know, and it, and it means something personal. Yeah. And and certainly for for you know people who'd experienced and lived through the First World War, you know, it, for for so many people, it was incredibly personal. You know, it was it wasn't just a, a list of casualties. You know, uh, it was um, it was very much a you know an individual, a named person that you knew. And and, and I think the way that the the personal aspect of, of you know, films that try and depict the individual gets that across, I think, and um, you know, it, it's 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 important for shaping how we how we feel about those you know these kind of experiences.
1: I mean, Andy, that was incredible. You know, we we got through four films. Oh my goodness, we saw a little splice... <laughs> We've seen how Hollywood evolved. Absolutely, yeah, Yes, yeah. how it evolved. We really hope that you turn your thesis into some sort of book so we can all learn a bit more. <laughs> but,
0: well, if it me, maybe if I get that article in Sight and Sound, then, uh, then that would that would
1: do. Once again, thanks, Andy, for joining
2: us. It's absolutely fascinating. And if you'd like to find out more, uh, please do check out our website, fightingonfilm.com. Uh, we are also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. Thank you again for joining us, Andy, and thanks for listening, everybody.